Always remember your focus determines your reality. That's a quote from the character of Master Keegan in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, written by the American writer, director and producer George Lucas. And more on that later in this episode. So, I'm uh, John Fanning and this is the Create With John Fanning podcast. How's it going out there? Um, hope you're all doing well and enjoying the end of the summer or the beginning of it, depending on where you are, and keep it healthy. So, this is episode 21 of my series of episodes on the imagination and based around my book Create. And last time I spoke about doing the work, about doing the, basically doing the same thing every day over time and how it can be very productive. Uh, Which brings me to what I want to talk about today, uh, focus. And as I said last time, if you're focused on the work and working consistently, then the book appears or the project gets done or the imagination just mysteriously steps into into reality in front of you as a creation. And probably the best way to talk about um, pig-headed stubbornness would be my own path, uh, because of my own background, having nothing got to do with creation. So it takes an inordinate amount of focus if nobody else has focused on creativity, uh, especially when you're growing up. For example, in uh, in our house, there were no books, uh, there was no music, and there were no creators in the family or the extended family. I do have a cousin, he's a, got his own circus now, but um, at the time, he was just a, a young fellow like me uh, trying to discover creativity, so he creates true circus, which is wonderful stuff, but I was trying to figure out uh, what it meant to be a writer. So. So my schooling as well had nothing to do with creation. So why did I do that? You know, why did I just go and do it anyway? Well, it's because I'm stubborn. And so I got involved with writing anyway, irrespective. And, you know, there was many times when I would ask for advice. Well, not so much earlier on, but as I got a bit older, especially when I headed into, when I got to New York, after living in London and stuff. And so I, I'd ask people, I was working in a coffee shop down in the East Village, and I'd ask them how they got their work out there. And basically, they they told me that, you know, um, it's very difficult to get your work out there and that you have to be focused. And if you don't go to, for example, write as a writer, if you're trying to write books or whatever, um, then going to somewhere like the Iowa Writers' Workshop or Harvard or Yale or something like that will, you know, be a benefit because it's a, it's an open door to agents and such. But they told me I just had to get an agent uh, at first, you know. Obviously, if you're in any of those programs I just mentioned, then it's much easier. So there are easier paths to go about getting into whatever creative field that you're into. And I talked about this before with, with um, education in episode six and so i went out looking for an agent and i finally got one a wonderful one and 
was one of the biggest agencies out in LA at the time when I was working in as a as a copywriter for this insane advertising agency in Alaska. So myself myself and my wife went out and we partied, you know, because you know, we'd moved from New York to Alaska and uh, here we were thinking, oh, finally, uh, one of the books is getting out into the world. And, but then <laughs> two years later, um, my agent had sent the novel out to over, over 60 publishers. It was at least 60 publishers. It was at least 50, uh, somewhere around 60. You know, you just lose count. And we got answers back like, you know, um, you know stock replies or stuff like, there's positive stuff like Fanning's work's innovative and talented and fresh. And, and then they'd say something like, uh, yeah, but we have an Irish novel on our list already. So it was very funny um, now looking back on it. And it is and was very frustrating. But now I've just accepted it and I just continue with my focus. But um, I just told her to stop sending it out or sending me the rejections, you know. And then inevitably she had to stop sending it out and she actually left the agency. And then years later, I got a second agent for a different novel uh, when I was working in magazines. And he was a former publisher turned agent working for one of the biggest agencies in New York. And his friend, he was then the uh, deputy editor of Vanity Fair, had recommended my novel. And so yet again, what happened, you know, Saf and my wife went out got drunk, had had fun, thinking, yeah, one of the books is finally going out again. And so two years later, <laughs> same thing again. I'd lost count of the number of rejections after 30. And after returning to publishing, my agent went on to work in politics <laughs> in D.C. Um, he couldn't understand why it hadn't gotten out there, why it didn't sell, as, as did the other agent with the first novel or the other novel, it wasn't the first one, but, um, so I, I still like to think it's because he was so disillusioned with the publishing industry that he got out of being an agent, uh, and got into the po politics where he thought he could change things. <laughs> but, uh, so what did I do after those two kind of very difficult, um, experiences? Well, I just stayed focused um, and focused on the writing and just kept writing. And what some might call pigheadedness just kept me going. And then from my, f my first novel was then published when I was 45. So then uh, to make matters worse, we create, we create a place for people to do the same thing, to create in a, in a foreign country where, where I didn't speak the language uh, in the middle of nowhere on credit cards with again no experience so the same thing again uh, starting a creative venture without any plan or knowing how it's all done uh, or creating a runway for ourselves into it you know and of course now we uh, we created another place where people could get their writing out into the world um, which was Lemuse Books and since we've left uh, France, that's no longer really Lamuse Books, is it? Because we sold Lamuse. But, you know, it did allow me to try and get uh, some of our writers out into the world um, and try to stymie some of the frustration that I felt for them. And, and uh, But sometimes you've got to just 
take matters into your own hands, you know. So, you know, if it's a case that you, you know, you can't find a retreat anywhere uh, that's catering to you and your peers, then create it. Um, if you can't get your books out there and you're seeing your friends and your peers who are talented aren't getting their books out there, well, create it. And it's the same with this podcast. You know, I felt like there wasn't really something that was going at it from my perspective or from what I felt that I'd learned and continue to learn from from people about creativity. And so sometimes you just got to take matters into your own hands. And, you know, there's so many examples of this, not just me, but of so many other people. You know, if you think about the publishing world, there's so many of them that, you know, publish their own books, you know, from leaves of grass and knocking on the doors of of people with false reviews with Walt Whitman or uh, the Hogard Press. Or it could, just goes on and on. But it's the same in every field. And it's only ever the successes that are highlighted. So, and oftentimes it's not, there's not really a clarity on how uh, certain people just took them, took matters into their own hands and just did it. So creation is not just about creating something. It's about your, your mindset or your mentality, which is, you know, ostensibly the word focus. So you change your mind um, or the mentality that's been thrown at you and you can change, change your life basically and change your... So if you change your mental attitude, it's not if, it's just when, you know. So I just continue to write novels irrespective uh, because it's just something I need to do. And at some stage, they'll get out there. Maybe it's when I'm dead. I, and you know what? I don't really care. At this stage, I don't care. I just do it because I love doing it. And so you lose yourself in what you love creating by just keeping focused. And it's easy not to create when you say you can't create. You, but you have to keep your focus and you just have to keep moving forward and stick to it especially when it's not going well, you know, and I have my terrible days like everybody does, you know, I'm a human being. So, um, and I'm not the only one. And like a friend of mine once told me she wasn't creative and I asked her why she taught this. And she said, uh, because I tried to paint when I was younger. And, uh, and I said, what happened? And she said, oh, well, I was useless. And I asked her how long she did it for. <laughs> and she said, she said a day, you know, so uh, that's not focus. Uh, how can you say you're not creative after a day? That's that's crazy. She didn't understand that she's being, that she is extremely creative in her businesses or that she could be both a painter and a businesswoman because both are creative in different ways. So if she'd, if she'd give even a percent of the focus she gave to her businesses to painting, then I'm sure her paintings would be on 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 some wall somewhere over a period of time so so by being focused and by doing and repeating like i said before we find out how to question can i create um can be answered and the response is always by is always by saying yes um if you allow yourself to focus on what it is you want to do and it doesn't mean it's easy it's hard. It's uh, there are sacrifices, and it can be difficult, but it has to be consistent. So that kind of brings me back um, 
right from my own experience, um, getting into that George Lucas quote that I, I quoted at the outset, always remember your focus determines your reality. And, you know, that's pretty, um, it's pretty um, clear uh, way of looking at it from his perspective because Lucas is a, you know, he's a self-described introvert and he's the one that wrote those words. And, you know, if you think of the trajectory of, of that movie, of that whole franchise of movies, the Star Wars movies, um, you know, they've made billions. I think it's somewhere near 50 billion and counting at this stage. But if you think about the story behind the story and then you just realize how focused this guy was because most producers didn't like Lucas's story idea. You know, they basically said to him that it was for kids and that nobody wanted to, to watch science fiction movies anyway. <laughs> so, um, and like t thinking or talking about it like that now you think like, Oh, that's crazy. But at the time they did, they thought he was crazy. Um, they said things like, oh, they thought it was a, a little strange. And when Lucas didn't get a budget, um, uh, it was drastically under what he needed when he did get something. And the producers didn't go for it because of the story idea either or the writing, but it, it was just because one of them, this guy called Alan Ladd, believes in Lucas himself, <laughs> not in the actual movie. <laughs> so... So Lucas started writing uh, like eight hours a day and ended up taking a huge pay cut to direct. And then there's also the fact that, you know, when he was when he, when he was trying to get special effects, he had no special effects. Um, and again, because of his focus, he just went, OK, uh, what do I do? It didn't stop him. Um, so he created the motion picture visual uh, effects company, Industrial Light and Magic, and, uh, and of course, then he later sold that company for, I don't know, I think it was, yeah, it was 4 billion. Um, and that's not, that's not 4 million now, 4 billion uh, to Disney. So when he had a problem, he created a solution by just creating a company, Industrial Light and Magic. And, you know, it just goes on. The story's so mad. He, so he basically he had to reuse the props and costumes from these other movies because, because he had no money. And even the actors, they, they didn't want to continue, you know. Uh, they wouldn't do any overtime because cause they thought it was going to be a big flop too. So, um, you know, they all thought it was going to be a failure. So, basically, um, and then um, he even uh, add insult to injury, he went off and Lucas then he resigned from the director's guild because he was just so disgusted because they didn't want him to have the title sequence he wanted. You know, this very famous title sequence with the words coming out onto the screen and the music. And that they just said, no, no, we don't want that. So he just, he just left the guild. And of course they made him pay a fine. And of course, and, uh, and then when, when he finally finished editing, uh, he didn't like the finished movie, of course. And because he's focused, he said, uh, you know, I'm going to go back and edit it again. And, of course, that cost him a fortune, too. And, <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, you'd think it'd end there, you know, but uh, but it didn't. So then it, when, the, <laughs> when, the, when the movie actually got released, it, it didn't even, they, they hardly distributed it, you know. Um, and then, you know, you know what happened afterwards. So that's focus. 
Uh, that's that's discipline. And if you go deeply into the creation and ignore all the rejections and all the failures and all the distractions and the things that are just going to make what you do and just fall apart, then, you know, you get nothing done. So, so no matter how hard it is to persist, you have to persist. Like, when I come back to do this podcast, you know, it's like, I'm going, oh, is there anybody listening to it? And there are, there's, there's people responding to it and it's really positive and healthy. But, you know, it's, you know, it's not, it's not hundreds of thousands of people going out, going out into the world. It's not this huge demographic, but, you know, I could care less. You know, I have to stay focused and just finish it, irrespective of how many people are listening to it or not. Um, because at some stage, uh, it will have a critical mass if it's any good. So, um, and that's the kind of focus that Lucas had. And so, no matter how hard it is to leave everyone behind and to persist, you have to persist and you have to leave them um, behind to a point. Um, and, you know, it's very hard to be focused nowadays, you know, because, uh, you know, even if... Um, even if you think of Ireland and smartphones, uh, they, there was some fact that uh, people in Ireland, they check their, their their cell phones at least 50 times a day. <laughs> and it's even worse in America. So, so, so that splinters your focus. And you can't have stuff like distractions like that that will splinter your focus. And that's just a very small example. And any any creator has to respect that and has to be focused. You know, they're... They're not on their smartphone, you know. Would Lucas or Musk or Gates stop creating if their phone pinged, you know? Uh, probably most of them, if they're into doing what they're doing at that moment in time, they'll, they'll turn the thing off or leave it somewhere. So they'll put in a different room or a space, perhaps. Um, because they've mastered what they mastered by being dogged. And they didn't work on, on the surface. They dived into what they loved because uh, nothing... Nothing distracted them. Yeah, well, the majority of things didn't. <laughs> um, and so, what, and what happens when you do this? Um, well, it's like I was saying before. If you're if you're that focused, you might be seen as a weirdo, uh, like a like the black sheep I'd mentioned earlier. You know, things like, oh, what do you mean you want to repair old cars on the weekend? But you're not getting paid to rebuild old cars. Or you're you're a hundred and fifty page novel is our 350 page novel is more important than going to the beach you know you're crazy yeah and you know you have to respond to that and you have to be focused and it means sacrificing time and and downtime where you where uh you could be just chilling out you know and so nobody who's ever created anything to a high level has, has ever been seen as normal because it's abnormal behavior because majority of the time you have to be spending inordinate amounts of time to focus. So if you're try when you, just when you're trying to get your creation off the ground and even afterwards. So when you when we're you know when we were starting to start our retreat in the middle of nowhere two nearly two decades ago now, people thought we were mad, you know. You know, they'd say things like, uh, oh, you're crazy. You don't speak French. Or what do you know about the hospitality business, about composers and artists and directors and all that stuff? And also, the, hey, you've no family or friends over there. Uh, there's nobody you know. You've got no support group. And it's, 
And it's only now that we've sold the retreat uh, that it's seen as a success. And it's only after effect, after the fact. It's never when we're actually doing it and you're going through it. It's it's like a lot of the time it's only when there's a monetary recompense for what it is that you did that like oh you're a, su- a successful writer if you're making lots of money you're a successful retreat if you made a lot of money from selling it or if you um you could crochet a hat that's really beautiful and nobody give you money for it, it doesn't mean that the hat is crap it means that you know your your marketing strategy uh, is probably not not that good there's bound to be somebody out there that's into your type of a hat that you've created you know and that's not all the time but that's the the majority of of the way the the artistic world works anyway or it's all a, it's all opinion and everyone's got a different one so it's only now that people will see like la muse is a success um like after the fact so you kind of you have to stay focused and not let people make you think you're selfish or ruthless or mad um because you're not you're just being focused on your craft and you're into what you're doing uh you're into what you, what you love you know and and this isn't just me and my wife Carrie uh this is this is this, this is so many of the people that I met on our at our retreat over the last two decades and you know it goes all the way back into all those mentors in the past like da Vinci he was a he was a bleeding recluse and he was compulsive did he ever stop inventing or painting? Um, like does I mentioned Bill Gates there? Does does he still looks like a nerd? You know, doesn't matter how successful he is, he's going to still look like a nerd and look weird. You know, or different, different, not weird, but different than other people. Uh, but that's did that stop him creating Microsoft and then doing his foundation now? No, he just is who he is and he does what he does. So, you know, did wearing the same clothes every day stop Einstein coming up with? the general theory of relativity no it's just that's he doesn't care he's he's so focused he's not focused on the, the bloody clothes he, he wears he doesn't care he's just focused like Flo Bear was still living with his mother at the age of 35 and he you know hardly went out he was so obsessed with writing or more more rewriting if you think about it um, Adam Overy and how many times he wrote, rewrote it but um you know, and so so that's focus. And yes, it might seem or look like um, or feel aberrant or just too different, but it's that's just the way it is. So you know, there's a there's a made up phrase that Margaret Atwood used in her novel uh, The Handmaid's Tale. You know that everybody's knows about now through that Hulu series. But nolite to bastardes carborundorum. So don't let the bastards grind you down, you know. So what is so what if you miss watching TV and playing video games, you know? Or so what if you stay up all night writing your screenplay while the kids are asleep? Or so what if you forget what time it is or where you are when you're creating something you love? You 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 focus because you have to, and because of that focus, you put something out into the world that will would benefit you first by enjoying the process and then your community and hopefully the wider world then thereafter. And I, I suppose now that I'm talking about focus and giving you examples of specific people um, and their their battles as well, is it, 
You have to ask the question, then how do you stay focused? So I just proffer one word, and that word's no. And you know, you can say it nicely. Like, no, thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't do that. Uh, I've got work to do. And if you say yes to everything, you lose your focus. So you have to prioritize. And, you know, which is more important, to create or to try to please everybody all the time? You know, it doesn't mean you have to say no to the most important things or people in your life. It it just means that you have to have a balance and it means you have to know what or who are the most important things in your life. So for me, it's writing and my family and at times it's more my family than the writing. Um, I, I'm not perfect. I try to carve out time every day uh, to write and sometimes like this passage right now of moving to America, that just doesn't happen. But I know it's going to come back and I take notes. So that's another part of the process. It's like a form of researching as such. And I also try to spend time with my family individually and together. And again, I'm not perfect. So I don't think anybody is, unless you're uh, independently wealthy and you have all this free time where you can spend free time with everybody all the time. Um, otherwise, like most people, you have to work. So, so those are the important things to me, and I focus on them. And in addition to that, like focus can be, like I was saying, that you know, I'll take notes. Um, you know, it can be fifteen minutes every day. It doesn't have to be eight hours a day. You know, you don't have to be like George Lucas, like writing for eight hours a day. It's like fifteen minutes every day adds up you know, to hours and then to days and to weeks and to months of creation. And that's how that's how this Create uh, series was written. Uh, it was over years, like riding in the car while I was waiting for people at, uh, at train stations or at airports, when I was on a hike or in the morning before breakfast or after yoga or during yoga. And then with time, those 15 minutes become very valuable because they give you time to really ponder or meditate on what you're on what you're creating and uh, actually this reminds me of a of a of a of a story of a good Australian friend of mine who read a draft of one of my novels and you know he loved it he said you know and I was very happy until <laughs> until he got to the parts he didn't love and so he said, what the hell is this? And uh, he said, uh, you, you're not being focused, John. Uh, you're jumping out of the bushes. You, you can't do that. You have to stop and uh, stop that, <laughs> jumping out of the bushes and stay focused in the story. Um, and he said, I want to read the story. I don't want to read your, your, your beautifully written opinions or hopes for the planet and humanity. I'm a, I'm a reader, you know. Uh, I want to know what the hell is going to happen to the protagonist and I'll have a cup of tea with, with Fanning who's just jumped out from behind the bushes, you know. <laughs> and, you know, he advised me to go over that chapter again and it went from oh, something like 40 pages to seven. And ever since then, we call each other out, or although it's 98% of the time, it's him calling me out for bush jumping because he, he hardly ever does that. So when I lose focus and get in the way of what I'm creating. So you have to know how to hide yourself from your creations at this as well. Um, it's not just about the focusing on the time. 
So the reader or the watcher or the client or the buyer doesn't want, they don't want to know your life story. Unless, of course, you're, you're writing a memoir or nonfiction or something like that, you know. Uh, they want focus. Uh, they want to buy, they want to watch, they want to read or use the thing you've created. And the creative, the, a creator doesn't care about your opinion, really. As, uh, as again, uh, unless it's specific to a specific art form or if you're writing journalism or something like this or memoir. So unless it's in some way related to the work, the building or the painting or the software or the novel or whatever. So they care about the protagonist or the colours uh, and the way the colours move across a canvas or or the movement of the building, how it how it flows or or the facility of of like um, a, a program of a, something's coded, you know, so or how much how much a business will make, you know. Um, so so what can you do? Uh, because uh, we're all blind a lot of the time to our to our own opinions. It's it's kind of just part of the job. That's why we need that's why we need beta readers like my friend, the Australian, um, or mentors or people who you know, focus groups, basically, you know, there you go. It's like a, you know, you want focus, you have to have a group of people. So that's why they're called focus groups. Focus groups get you to where, get you down right, right to what it is that you're trying to focus on. Uh, curators and editors do the same thing or other creators just help you focus. So we do need f feedback so we can become more focused. So I suppose what I'm trying to say there is just keep the non-essential behind the damn bushes, you know, <laughs> and, and just try to remember to, to, um, that focus is not an eight hour work day. You know, it could be as little as 15 minutes a day or as long as, as long as there are 15 focus minutes every day. So that's the, that's the main thing there. So hopefully um, you've gleaned something from this this uh, hopefully focused episode on focus. <laughs> so uh, thanks for listening. And I started with a quote from an American writer and director. And you know, like I always do, I'm going to end with an, uh, the episode with a with an Irish proverb. Um, and again, this one literally means there's 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 no prosperity unless there is. Discipline. So, Nivin on Rat, Akmara mean on Schmacht. Nivin on Rat, Nivin on Rat, Akmara mean on Schmacht. So, no prosperity unless there is discipline. So, this podcast, um, as I always say, it's uh, supported by, by you, the listener, on the Patreon page, and that's patreon.com forward slash John Fanning. And you know, if you can afford it, that's all well and good to give a little, uh, to support it. And if not, then that's grand too. Somebody else will, will uh, send me money for it. And But if you can't, then um, it'd be awesome if you were able to just go on to the uh, iTunes and write a review or uh, wherever it is that you're listening to this so that the... So the listenership grows, you know, and if you have friends that you think any of these episodes make sense to, please send them to them, send it along to them uh, so that it actually spreads. Uh, 
so thank you and thanks for listening. And if you're looking for more episodes, um, you know, you can find them on my website, johnfanning.me under podcast or and if you want to connect with me with the social stuff, it's Twitter is Fanning underscore J and then Instagram John Fanning underscore. So um or you get them off my website. So it's great been great sharing stuff with you today. So uh hopefully uh you go out into uh into your create creative or imaginative work with with, with a, a sense of focus. And until next time, um take care out there and you know, uh stay focused if you can. Uh or work on it. But above all, um try to be benevolent when you can. And Slon live August Gennarium Boher live.